Welcome, friends, to the most elaborate crossover event in many days. This is Kirk Henderson of the Mavs Moneyball After Dark podcast. I'm joined by my dear friend, Harrison Fagan, of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. How are you, Harrison? You know, Kirk, I'm doing well. I think I'm trying to recover from the fact that there appears to be a league conspiracy to rig the Mavs to uh, beat the Lakers. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, now I, I feel bad for Kings fans now for laughing at their conspiracy theories for all these years. Because it's like when you're on the other end of it and, you know, the league is clearly trying to get Luca out of the playing spot after him and Mark Cuban complained. Like, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's sad state of affairs. It's clearly rigged for money um or ratings i'm not sure which uh just to channel my inner aisha curry but no i'm i'm good how are you i'm i'm all right that game was a a a like fast moving rock fight i i enjoyed it <laughs> i hate like it was the game it's the kind of game where the fan in me goes through all sorts of emotions where by like four minutes into the game i wanted to trade kp again and I ended up having to delete a bunch of tweets, um, but then they, you know, it just it, it went back and forth. You know, it it exposed. It, it's it's just the kind of game that that I would have uh, that I really would have expected if if Anthony Davis is only going to play eight, uh, you know, whatever his like 15, 16 minute limit. He came back, looked a little rough around the edges, got some got some nice touches, but they just didn't really go. And you know, the the game went back and forth on kind of a series of runs, mainly in the second half, put forth by by really Dennis, Dennis Schrader, who uh, I'm going to say this on the podcast. Schroeder, Schroeder, come on, Schroeder. Sorry, I, Dennis Schroeder, who who plays with the with the confidence of a pre World War German. I mean, that man just thinks he's the best player on the court at all times, and it is amazing to watch. It's, I love how arrogant he plays. It's one of my favorite things about this season is that like De- watching Dennis. You know, there's that viral tweet from a couple of years ago from Robbie Calland of like it's Jordan Clarkson time dash it's Jordan Clark uh, like Jordan Clarkson <laughs> as if he is the one saying that. Dennis Schroeder actually plays like that. Tweet tweet like he mm-hmm. at all times thinks it is Dennis Schroeder time like I am expecting not even like in a parody way or like thinking this would be funny if it happens I'm fully expecting at some point during a playoff game this year for Dennis to look off of LeBron on a final possession and it to be a storyline for like three days but either between series or whatever and he was he was outstanding in a third quarter because the first half the doubt Mavericks kind of kept pushing kept pushing with and, and took a pretty good lead into halftime. It was, I think, 10 or 12 points. And then in the third quarter, uh, an interesting start where the Lakers scored, I want to say, 11 points in like 65 seconds. It was really pretty incredible. Um, the, the game, and then at that point, Dennis just looked to go. And he and he and Luca went back and forth a little bit. Lots of jawing, like felt, Felt very, you know, I know we're going to talk about the play-in tournament later, but felt very, like, high school, testy, like, gym. It was great. It was just, for for a late April game, I, I enjoyed myself a lot more than I thought I was going to. No, I feel similarly. So, like, I thought that the main appeal of this game was going to be, okay, let's see Anthony Davis get back out there. Like, let's see what mm-hmm. he looks like. As you mentioned, like, he had some good touches. Didn't His shots didn't fall. I think he shot, like, 
20% from the field or something like that. Right. And like he was not good offensively, but he looked like he was moving really well. And so that was mm-hmm. promising. But no Lakers, fear. He was not playing with fear at all. Like no tentative steps. Yeah. No, he was falling all over the ground like normal. And so it was, uh, you know, it was great slash terrifying. And like, he, you know, he looked fine. The Lakers didn't really look good. I thought he mostly looked good defensively. Dallas really went on a run towards the end of that second quarter. But then you, like you mentioned, the Lakers just punched their way back in in the third. And it was a shockingly entertaining game for what yeah. I expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was my guy, Luca. And, and because this is going out to two audiences, uh, we, I'm going to couch this cause I'm gonna get screamed about this tomorrow. That was one of his more, uh, uh, gr- grumpy, whiny games. He gets a, a an earned reputation for talking all the time, but there was a lot of of what the the Hawks fans refer to as pink face Doncic, where he's just going <laughs> at the camera. Uh, and there was a lot of that that game, which is pretty preposterous because I feel like he had. I, I I did have the stats pulled up here. He, I mean, he shot 11 free throws. Like, what are, what is he complaining about? Yeah, um, and I, the Mavs shot 36 to the Lakers. Like, the Lakers almost never get doubled up on free throws. And, mm-hmm. like, look, I, I, I was kidding about the league rigging it against them for the play-in sure. or whatever earlier. But that was, I think, a big difference in this game. And, like, I, I mean, again, Dallas was being really aggressive going to the basket. Like, I don't think that it was an entirely unearned advantage. And they also had more star power in this game. Yeah. But you're – it is – it was hilarious to watch Luca act as though he was being wronged in this game that the whistle really was pretty tilted towards Dallas, I would say. Yeah, well, well, I mean, the, so the Lakers here committed 28 defensive fouls. Um, and, and my, this is, this is going to come across as a criticism, but I don't mean it that way. Last year and this year, the Lakers are extremely physical yes. and, and, and it's just a game over time where they're going to, I think that there's just going to be games like this where the whistle goes that way. But by and large, it's a pretty good bet if you have good defenders, because the Lakers have a lot of good defenders where the physicality in the lane is going to go, you know, going to go nowhere. It was Luca kind of has been really solid this year operating at like 15 feet. And that's kind of that middle ground where if the refs are calling those sort of body bumps and he got a few of those KP did too, which was really surprising because he has been, that's the most free throws he shot in a game. Eh, I guess he only shot, uh, had it up here. I can't see. He, he, he shot seven free throws, which is probably the second or third most he shot all season. I was going to say um, that had to be his most dunks of the year too. Like he was, he was actually really going at the rim. I was surprised. It was the, the KP portion of the game. He left with an ankle injury. He'll probably be out, uh, you know, two weeks to six months. Lord knows that that guy. Um, <laughs> and, and he, but he really did look, that's the best he's looked since, uh, uh, early April. They've had probably eight or nine game stretch where he just hasn't looked great. And he, he was really attacking on offense and doing okay on defense. Like most teams lately, and the, you saw this with the way the Lakers attacked him, they don't care that he's seven foot three. He wasn't really that much of an impediment in the lane. Yeah, no, I, w- I would say he is not. I mean, again, I don't, I, I think offensively, the Lakers, you know, I, I don't know that they were much of an impediment around the rim as much as you talked about their defensive physicality. Like that was kind of one of the issues for them in this game too, sure. is that I, I think AD and Drummond played like two guys who have not played together since high school. AD and mm. like, like the chemistry was off, you know, like they were not uh, like, those are two guys that they're so large that you would expect at least shots are getting really contested well around the rim and stuff like that when they're in the game. And, you know, to close that 
first half, the Mavs just got dunk after dunk after dunk, and it was just blown rotations, like just guys that were not on the same page yet. And I think that that'll get better, but it definitely sure. is something to monitor, especially with kind of Drummond's reputation for, you know, he, Lakers fans have kind of figured out pretty quickly that he is a guy that a lot often gets caught in no man's land where he doesn't mm-hmm. contest the shot, but, you know, he's also not in a position to get the rebound. He's just kind of like, he wants to block it, realizes he can't get there, doesn't do anything, and then it's just like an automatically made basket. And then he, but he stuffs the stat box, get 14 points and 19 rebounds, including a ton of offensive boards. He was really a big part of, of of keeping things interesting, I think yeah. in the in both the third and the fourth quarter, but he just takes away too, and it's very hard to explain that to to people because Mavs fans desperately there's a, a segment of people who desperately wanted Drummond because they see and they see him play and he does when when he's on he is really good, but yeah. when he gets kind of like like tonight he just didn't really know what to do with Luca because Luca operates in kind of a different zone and and. It's just I don't I don't really understand him because one thing that was very interesting to watch is he is I haven't seen him in a play in a while I, I didn't watch many games here I forgot how physically how much bigger he is than everyone else he like, is he's, he's a huge I he's, person I think he's one of the top five like heaviest players in the NBA in terms of listed weight I mean Boban's got to be up but he's probably number one so you guys have one of them on your roster but yeah yes. he's he's gigantic and he is shockingly mobile for someone his mm-hmm. size he's you you put it really well he's a little bit trick-or-treat in that you know he's either really really on or he is making mistakes that make Anthony tweet that he should be cut or be in the G League and things like that and you know like he has his moments and in fairness to him this is not the greatest matchup for him in terms of having to deal with like no one can deal with yeah. Luca. Frank was joking mm-hmm. before the game that the only defensive solution with Luca is to kidnap him. And I think he's only like half kidding, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really sure beyond that that you have good options on him. And so I do want to contextualize with that. And like, yes, Drummond sure. was not excellent tonight, but like you said, him stuffing the stat sheet does help you keep in these games. It's just there's always he always gives something to either side of the aisle on him in that like you know he'll he'll get a he'll stuff the stat sheet he has like a great game from a statistical perspective but then it's like you remember down the stretch the tip in that he tried to get when he could, probably could have just dunked it and then instead he like tried to slap it with his left hand he just makes yep. like it's almost JaVale like in how he has this like gift for making the wrong play in certain situations and, mm-hmm. and often hilariously so and you know I I am probably in the more pro Drummond camp. I really think that he's incredibly talented, and I think that he is a guy that is going to benefit an insane amount from LeBron coming back. But sure. for right now, it's going to be really hit and miss, and we saw really both ends of that spectrum in this game. Yeah, and if he plays 15 minutes a game when like Marcus Soule's healthy and they're splitting time and they're doing different things, that's fine. I think he gets exposed a little bit. I mean, one of one of my, my favorite uh, Mavs friends, a guy named Kenny, was – why isn't why isn't Drummond out there at the start of the at the start of the fourth quarter? And he'd already played twenty three minutes. And you don't want a guy like that because when he gets tired, he can't. He's not useful. Yeah. And and it's it's he if he plays in small bursts against backup uh, front lines, he's he's going to be very interesting. For if he had been like if Dallas had gotten him, they would have expected. 
25 to 30 minutes a game a night. And I just don't think he can do that. It's, well, he's, he, he was promised by the Lakers 25 to 30 minutes a game. Marcus all is out of the rotation as a result of Andre Drummond being brought into the team. That's like tre- what you saw tonight. If Marcus all was healthy. He's not uh, like, he's not. In oh, the- I thought he was still the hamstring stuff. He has yeah. it, but, and they've kind of used it as a crutch, but he was not listed as an active tonight. And like he could have played, but they're trying to give Drummond time to acclimate. They're trying to get him adjusted into the system. I think that that's entirely fair to at least give him an like an equal opportunity to get caught up and see what he can do especially when the stars start to come back but yeah I mean mm-hmm. Drummond and Trez plus AD at the small as a small ball five when he starts to kind of get healthy again and play full games right. that that's the center rotation unless someone gets hurt and so I mean we'll see if Marcus Gasol gets in for some certain matchups but tonight is a night where it's like there were times where you know would Gasol help there but at the same time I don't think that Drummond was the problem tonight. I know that there are going to be some Lakers fans, like <coughs> Anthony, uh, mostly. But, like, I, he was not the issue tonight. I thought him and Schroeder really did a good job keeping them in this sure. game. And yeah, Well, the the guy who really did also keep the Lakers in the game, there's, there's one guy from each side that I felt was very important in keeping things close. For the Lakers, it had to be Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who was yes. absolutely on fire, 6 of 12 from distance. And then for the Mavericks, it was kind of do everything spark plug. Didn't have a great statistical line, but Dorian Finney-Smith was four or five from the field, including a late three, which sort of pulled things, you know, uh, really out for the Mavericks when when it looked like they were just trying to escape the Lakers because they kind of stopped playing offense the last four minutes of the game. And both those guys had really were 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 really fun to watch in very different ways. You know, Pope just watching him shoot it. it it's just like a stark difference to Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavericks who couldn't hit the broad side of a bowl. Like, like he was just terrible. No, this and was it's... this was playoff KCP. He was hunting shots. Like, he is fun to watch when he is like this, and he really has started to turn around over the last couple games. Right, right. Well, it was fun to watch because I, I, I'm i glad they're not playing like a true back-to-back. I think the Lakers stay in, in Dallas, and then they yeah. go again Saturday night on ABC. So we'll... We'll look forward to that one again. It'll probably be a much more. Um, I, I, I'm I'm guessing it'll be less of a back and forth affair. Uh, this will be the third of three matchups. The Lakers have won one, and Dallas has won one. And you know, there there's this one could matter for tiebreakers if Dallas goes on a run, but they're not gonna. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, you just kind of teased the the second half of this pod because I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about the play-in and kind of some of the comments that both of these teams have made. And so let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about that. All right. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned this and I realize I'm taking the reins back from you as the host, but that's just what I did. That's what you do on a crossover episode. This mm-hmm. is going to be a constant 30 minute long battle of the two of us for control of the conversation, just trying to alpha each other like Dennis Schroeder and Luke. No, no, no. The best play in basketball is a give and go. So this is what we got to do. <laughs> okay, good. This is a, th- That's a more collaborative way to view it. So we are setting each other up. But I mean, you mentioned that you don't think that Dallas is going to go on a run. I am... I don't know how much of a run they need because I do wonder right now how much uh, after watching AD tonight, I I think it's going to take him at least a little time to kind of gel and get his legs back under him. And again, like I I don't think that he was horrible by any means in this game. He actually looked lighter on his feet defensively than I expected. But if it's going to take him a couple games to kind of ramp back up, start to get his minutes back, that throws a team off too. And we saw that in the first half where a lot of guys were like, 
they were slotted back into more natural roles, but it wasn't the roles they'd been playing for the last two weeks. And there's an adjustment period with that. And that's kind of led partially to them getting down in that first half. And so I do wonder if the Lakers are going to drop off here a little bit. And I think that this, this next Dallas game could end up being really important if Dallas does go on a run, because like you said, like it could be a tiebreaker at some point here, but potentially, you know, if Portland goes on a run, which I don't know that I really foresee, but like, let's just say that they do and they jump up mm-hmm. to fifth where the Lakers are right now. And Lakers and Mavs are six and seven, like this Saturday game could mean a lot for that. Yeah. It, it's pretty interesting when you look at sort of, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's there's some wild happenstances going on, and just to, to talk about Portland, there's something there's something atrocious in non-clutch games. In clutch games, the only those are the only games they win. Uh, yeah. And then in cl- in non-clutch games, they've really they're they're really awful. And the clutch stuff has kind of started to regress to the mean a little bit. Where they lost a one-point game last night. They, they're struggling just a bit, so at the exact moment, Mavs are tied with them. Uh, so Mavs are still stuck in seventh because the Portland uh, Portland owns a tiebreaker. But uh, it, it's it's really just kind of interesting to see what what could happen with with these teams for Dallas in particular. The theory is, if you look at their lineup, they have the ability to go on a run. Now, I don't know if they have the wherewithal, simply because if you look at uh, the the TNT showed a stat tonight. I don't remember the exact numbers, but the Mavericks play are their four or five games over five hundred against teams with records above five hundred, and then against sub five hundred teams, the Mavericks lose a lot. So they play and up or down to their opponent, basically. Very much so. And we're going to see that again. Uh, we've just seen it time and time again. They, they've just had all these opportunities to make runs. And they've been stuck in seven for a long time. And I, I it, it could go either way because, like, they play the Cavs a couple of times. They played Detroit again. You know, in theory, they play the Kings and the Warriors. But both those teams are still looking for that play-in spot. So it's just there's a lot of, of – Stuff on paper, it looks like Dallas should be able to take the sixth seed and hold on to it. I just don't know because they they're not they're still so top heavy with Luca and and if KP is injured, for example, with this this ankle thing, I just don't see them really seizing the moment because they've never done it all year. Yeah, I think I think look like I mean from for me from an outsider's perspective, looking at Dallas, like I, I do think that they are more talented than their record would indicate. And I feel like there's a lot of people that felt that way. There's a lot of people that you know I, I remember there were people, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there were like respected NBA people saying that they could be a top four seed this year. I know Luca was considered like an MVP front runner at one point during the offseason or at the very mm-hmm. least like a strong candidate. Like and he's still really good. He's not the problem. Uh, you know, like at least not their biggest problem. And right. But at the same time, like, like, yeah, I mean, they, you know, at some point you kind of have to do it. Like you can't just be, you know, on paper, they're better than this and whatever. Like this is a lesson I think I learned uh, like in my kind of basketball childhood growing up with like the 2012 Lakers. It was just, you kept waiting for them to flip that switch, flip that switch. And they kind of did at one point and then Kobe tore the Achilles and it all came crashing down like a house of cards but like this isn't the same thing obviously because they aren't like they weren't pegged as a super team in that same way but at some point you kind of have to either play to your level or you're not going to and you know maybe there is a little bit of that with them but uh, like you you were talking about the schedule I was looking at their schedule I was looking at the Lakers they're getting AD back they got to integrate him they got to get him learning how to play with Andre Drummond and then like LeBron's going to come back and look 
LeBron is still, you know, very easily like a top five, top three player in the league, maybe the best player in the league in like a game that you actually, you know, you need to win or the Martians have the death beam pointed at us, the uh, first take, right. you know, theoretical thing. But like, you know, as much of a cyborg as he has been throughout his career, he may go through some of these same, like, you know, they got to ease him back in. They need to make sure that he's healthy when the playoffs come around. And I just wonder if that many, many adjustments and becoming that many different teams during the season, I don't think that it's going to help their regular season record, certainly. And it could end up helping them in the playoffs because they can kind of, they can learn how to play with a variety of different lineups. There could potentially be some versatility you learn from that. But I am... You know, I don't know. I'm not like worried about them slipping into a play in spot because the math kind of favors them still at this point. They're still at least a couple games ahead of Dallas and Portland. I think two if I the last I checked, but like, so I'm not terrified of them slipping down, but I don't think that it's completely out of the realm of possibility. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot this week because, like, KCP called it the play-in thing, whatever it was. You know, like, Marquise right. Morris got insulted when a reporter asked a question phrased around the play-in. He's like, no, 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 we're not going to be in that. And they're clearly – they've at least talked about that's not us. Like, we don't think that we're dropping down to that, like, rinky-dink play-in thing. Luca and Mark Cuban came out and kind of, like, trashed the play-in game. I'm just wondering, like, for you as someone who is – you know, who roots for a team, who covers a team that could avoid this thing, could end up in it. Like, how do you feel about the plan? Because I've wanted to talk about this with someone, and I know that you'll have strong opinions one way or I love it. I absolutely love it because, you know, how many times over the last X number of years you're covering team, you're running a website, you're working with your staff, and it's just so hard to get anybody to care. That is not the case right now. Everyone is engaged. Now, people are grumpy about it, because I think they like kind of wanted to most of all, mm -hmm. but even fans to a degree, it's like, I kind of want to take a little bit of a mental break. I don't want to have to watch all these games. Cause we're gonna have to watch all these games through, you know, July or August, whenever the finals are, I can't remember. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of whining in that regard, but the basketball has been fun. You're being engaged with more teams every night is interesting. You know, it's not just, we're not just having like the same terrible MVP argument, uh, you know, for for the next ten or twelve games, there's well, oh, we're hey, the Pelicans. I will I will say we're going to do that too. There's been oh sure, but the it's MVP more. discussion has been as an aside. The MVP discussion has been exhausting and insufferable this year, even more so than like it was like five games in we kicked that thing off, and like people yeah. were ready to argue about like should LeBron or Joel Embiid or you know oh Jokic can't win it now, like they're too far down in the standings, like ten games in, like it's just like it's been all year long. Everyone has their horse in the race. Everyone is unwilling to even hear a case for anyone else. It's like it's like a Rorschach test. Like everyone has decided who their MVP is and what that picture looks like to them. And there's like no movement whatsoever. And it's just been people screaming at each other all year. But anyway, your your point on the plan. The plan just is something that I will find myself watching whether I want to or not. Yeah. Um, it'll be the sort of thing where if the Mavericks aren't playing my wife will say, hey, let's let's watch something else. Let's watch something on the DVR, and I'll be looking at my phone. And then if we finish something and it's the second half and it's, I don't know, Golden State versus uh, San Antonio, I'm probably going to say, hey, we, we need to watch this because it's, it's that's that what the NBA marketing people want to hear. They're like, I will maybe watch this in the second half if it is close. That is how compelling it is to me. Well, I, I, Luca's argument is that single eliminate, <laughs> single elimination stuff stinks, according to Luca. But I, I, I don't know. For the viewer, it's was, awesome, though. Yeah, 
and yeah. that's what I'm here for. And and I'm really looking forward to to just seeing what happens because you know it, it it's made the season it's made me more interested in more teams is is what I'll say. Yeah, no, and I think it's led to it's led to a lot of the stuff like there's been, you know, for year you've been doing this for years. I've been on NBA Twitter and doing this for years too. Like every everyone has had the argument about tanking, how do we curb it? Curb it? Do we change mm-hmm. the lottery odds? Do we whatever? Like this has been kind of a tanking solution. Like there are a lot of teams that might be packing it in. Like everybody thought the Kings, for example, were going to buy out yep. Hassan Whiteside and be like a seller at the deadline. And in normal years, maybe they would have packed it in and decided that that's what they were doing. We'll just fire Luke Walton at the end of the year. But this year it's like, Hey, like we could talk ourselves into, maybe we can get a play in spot if a cup or like a playoff spot and we can break like the 19 year long playoff drought that we have or whatever it is. And it's like, I, I just think that it has been you know, as much as it would suck, I think for the Lakers to drop down to that because of injuries and whatever. And then like, you know, let's just say hypothetically, I don't think that this is going to happen, but one game it comes down to, and they're playing against the Blazers or they're playing against someone and that person just goes supernova for two games and they're out. Like that would suck, you know, for this team, it would suck for the organization, everyone involved in it, especially with how short the turnaround was, but for the viewing audience, for the storylines, for like how interesting and how high stakes games like tonight are as a result of the threat of that happening potentially down the line. Like, I think this is a massive win. And I, I, like, I just got to say, I've really enjoyed it. I like the point about tanking too, because if you think about them both in terms of like a, a, two different items that that work together in this because they 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 manipulated the lottery odds again to where they're a little flatter and so a team like let's just pick out the pistons or the Cavs, they're going to continue to play their guys and not jockey for for percentage positions in april and then may and that sort of stuff has to be of long-term value to the league because it means that you're you don't have a bunch of you don't have two months where nothing matters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. And and this is nice. And it it is exhausting, but, you know, this must be what it's like to be, a like, a baseball fan. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy with it overall, though. Yeah, well, between these two teams playing each other twice in two games and, you know, like, all of the, the condensed nature of the season and, you know, guys being in and out of the lineups all the time, this is probably the most that it's ever going to feel like to watch or cover baseball watching the NBA just because, uh, like, there are a lot of kind of, like, on-their-face similarities. Sure. Well, let me ask you a question while we're kind of talking about this sort of stuff. What do you think of these home-and-home home series, like these these back-to-back stuff? Because the NBA has tried to avoid them for years just for whatever reason, but I love these kind of, you know, where, where the, the Lakers play the Mavs twice in a row, or you go and you play the Kings twice in a row. Like there's just an added layer of chippiness. Yeah, no, game. the Lakers, the Lakers did this during against the Spurs, I believe. I think they did mm. a home and home against them. And then they also did the Rockets, like same thing earlier this year. And I like it. Like there's a little bit, again, obviously the coaches aren't like, you know, staying up all night and grinding mm. tape or whatever to adjust to, you know, like try and figure out and throw their playoff level solutions at whatever this opponent or whatever they learned from that first matchup like they would during the postseason but it like you said the chippiness stuff is real and especially right. now like you know all this comes together with this you know potential battle for seeding and something that matters down the line like I do think that we'll get a pretty good game on Saturday again 
there's also the possibility that the Mavs just come out and blow them out because the Lakers, you know, they potentially are kind of not playing with their lives on the line, but playing with potentially their play-in lives on the line. And yeah. if they don't win this game, it's going to be really tough for them to avoid ending up in that spot if they don't have the tiebreaker versus either the Lakers or the or the Blazers. Like, it's going to be really, really tough for them to climb their way out of that. And Man. so, like, you know, this, this Saturday should be, I think, a really, really interesting game. I like See, this this is where, you know, and, and, and fans of Silver Screen and Roll are going to like this. I fully believe in Lakers exceptionalism. I went to college. <laughs> I went to college in, in Los Angeles. I went to Pepperdine 2002 to 2006, which was just peak post. You know, it, it's at the end of the three-peat era. It, you know, I still remember where I was standing when someone told me, Kobe's going for 60 against the Mavs. You need to go yeah. find the game. And I'm like, I don't want to go find that. I don't, I don't want to do this. So it's like, I've like the Lakers have haunted like, me. Yeah, your, for... your, your favorite team's getting absolutely destroyed. You just, you got to turn your TV on Kirk. Like you got to find a oh, TV yeah. to go watch it. Well, I always try to explain to younger fans, like you don't understand the sort of things that happened to me as a Mavs fan, particularly versus Shaq. Like if you go to basketball reference and look at like <laughs> the 2002 Mavs, they have seven centers because they don't know how to guard Shaq. They played, they paid this dude named Evan Eschmeyer, $36 million. That, for five, and it's like, I don't even know if that's a real person and I'm not going to look it up. I'm just, it, I'm the, taking your word just for incredible. It. So it's like, like the Lakers, you know, it, I'm one of the fans who will openly admit that it's like the Lakers have lived in my head on and off rent free for, you know, 20 years. So thank you for admitting like, that. Oh, they- I feel like I feel like a lot of fans around the NBA could be happier if they would just kind of let that into their heart and just be honest that yeah, you know the okay. Lakers have uh, the Lakers probably destroy your childhood. Like that's okay. Yeah, you're mad. Your listeners are cutting this off like they're so pissed. Nah, they right know. <laughs> they know. Any of the old heads, there was a game uh, I want to say I was at like 2001. The Lakers were losing to the Mavs in the Staples Center, or maybe it was, I don't know. It was one of the, and and it was fourth quarter. The Lakers are are down by like 28, and you know, I'm, I remember it was with my mom. It was December-ish. It was cold. We're like, yeah, the Mavs are gonna win one against the the Lakers. This is before Dirk was really Dirk, and then something happened where Kobe and Shaq went bananas and the Mavericks lost a 28 point lead in a single quarter. And it's like, things like that stick with you. (laughs) So long story short, you're expecting like Anthony Davis, 40 point game in 30 minutes or something like, uh, like that on Saturday. Oh, always. Yeah. uh... (laughs) I loved, as an aside, I loved your, your just Twitter bit of like, you, you did the calculations early. You're like, oh, Anthony Davis is coming back in X amount of weeks, maybe. And whatever, like he is coming back against the maps. Like you called this, I think like before the Lakers doctors even knew that he was going to be back. You were tweeting like AD's coming back against the maps. I can feel it in my bones. Like this is what's happening. It was late March, and I'm like, this is garbage. He's been gone for six weeks. Of course he's going to come back in three weeks against the Mavs. Yeah. yeah I was real mad. Yeah, no, it was great. Oh, wow. uh, and so I, I'm I'm looking forward to Saturday's game. I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about kind of these two teams and the fascinating spot that they're in, though, because it, it is, you know, it, it's been a weird season. It's been it joyless in a lot of ways, but also – like at times the basketball has been better. It's been more competitive because of situations like this. And I'm hoping that kind of that maintains down the stretch. Although I'm also hoping that no one else gets hurt because uh, it's Me just too. been like a avalanche the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, this has been fun.
Yeah, no. So I, again, I'm Harrison Fagan. You can find all of my work over at Silver Screen Roll. This is the Silver Screen Roll podcast for those of you listening on this feed. That was Kirk Henderson, the editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball. You can find all of his work over there. And you've been doing some locker rooms and stuff, right? Like I still, I, I got to get on there, but I need to use my wife's iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. Ooh, yeah, I have been. And it, it's it's fun. You, you, you get to talk with people. You end up like, I've gotten some good story ideas. Like fans are the the you know fan bases are crazy but you're supposed to be fanat fan is short for fanatic and we we have fun talking talking shop over there yeah and i had fun talking with you i hope that your listeners enjoyed it i hope that all of my listeners over at silver screen roll enjoyed this and uh yeah the lakers and mavs will be back on saturday and this has been the silver screen roll mavs moneyball crossover podcast we'll uh talk to you guys later Hello, everybody. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you're uh, joining me after I spoke with Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll. But for those of us who are live here on the Locker Room app, coming to you about an hour after the game, the Mavericks uh, beat the Los Angeles Lakers by 115 to 110. It was a, I don't know, it was a fun game, weird game. Uh, Not I have no idea what to take away from it other than the fact that, uh, you know, KP sprained his ankle, which thinks Luca was extra mad on national TV. Dennis, uh, Dennis Schroeder thinks he's the best player on earth. And, and I kind of love watching him though. Rooting for him would be horrifying. Uh, the Mavs played, you know, just kind of a, a back and forth game, probably one of their more, uh, solid offensive performances between Luca and KP together that we've seen in a while. Uh, Porzingis looked outstanding on offense after kind of a slow start, lots of attacking the rim, uh, some pretty good rebounding. Uh, the Mavericks uh, ended up getting worked a little bit by Andre Drummond, but he was, uh, you, know, you saw the, the the giving and the taking of Andre Drummond, where he was unable to finish some really easy shots, which would have made things close, but he also, you know, had 19 rebounds. So it, it's, it's there's just a lot, lot going on at the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis was two of 10 from the floor, kind of a, 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 you know, he looked good, moved well, didn't move tentatively, but, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays against the Mavericks uh, the other night. But if, if, you know, you're listening to this, you probably want to come talk and, and hang out for a second. I am, oh God, EJ Alcantara. Sorry, EJ and I went to high school. He's in the chat. Uh, all right. Does uh, anybody want to come up and, uh, talk for a minute because you know we can we can ask questions uh hit on points that you want to make about the game i i really you know i enjoyed myself overall but it wasn't one of these games that i i think that there's like big conclusions from uh tim hardaway jr needs to you know not stink that would be fun uh he's had a number of games in a row where he just hasn't looked good which gives me the impression that at some point he's just gonna go nuts just because you know his his confidence is unwavering he's he he's like the the dallas mavericks uh the sean michaels um i really enjoy uh seeing that sort of thing from him um you know the 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 lakers looked interesting you know uh, schroeder uh, cooked him from all over the floor at a certain point but you know, really distributed the ball well. There, there was, uh, you know, just that sort of thing going on. So, I don't know. Um, got any speaker requests? Is anybody in the chat? I don't know. Might just be too late for this sort of thing. <laughs> Xavier in the chat notes that uh, the Mavericks are now plus 500 to win the championship, and he's uh, cashing in his 401k and buying a yacht. I love it. I love it. Um, Zach Davari asks in the chat, why do the Mavericks make wins so hard? This is an outstanding question, Zach. And, and the answer 
has to do, in my opinion, with the combination of lack of veterans and, and lack of overall experience. Uh, the Mavericks are, are a, a younger team at points. Um, and that sort of thing just ends up uh, biting them over the long run. And they just don't really seem prepared when they go on these runs. Now, the Lakers, I will say, are a, a pretty talented team. Um, they're at least better built than the Mavericks, I think, in terms of they've been able to withstand not having uh, LeBron and, and AD for a really long time. But it's they, they just need another veteran, in my opinion, over to figure out how to settle them. I think that the slow introduction of J.J. Redick probably matters over time. I don't think they want to overuse or exhaust him because he is my age, and, and there are just points when he comes on the floor and he really adds a lot to the way the game is played for the Mavericks. Um, all right, so I brought up first uh, Matt Phillips, uh, who I think uh, tried to join earlier but then then got booted. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. Uh, my internet is seriously struggling. Um, That's all right. The uh... – the thing that I think JJ brings so much is just he moves around and he has a clue where he's going. And that helps mm-hmm. so much because he's not stationary. Like it's, if you're like me, if you grew up watching the Mavs and like the, the older days, uh, when Bob Ortical used to always comment, he would always talk about meaningful and purposeful movement of the ball and players. Mm. And we just, we don't do that a lot. Um, the biggest takeaways from this game, Luke is awesome. Um, uh, I really hope that we don't use this as an excuse to just never play KP on second night of backs to backs anymore. Um, yeah, and I hope. I mean, it's just it's a turned ankle. It's a basketball play. Like yeah, it happens. All for, the, yeah, it happens all the time. I, I, I sort of expect him to be out for two weeks, but it, it's you know it's it is what it is, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm very concerned that they will go to well. You realize, you know, he's playing on the second night of a back to back, and that makes him more fragile and yada 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 yada. And use that as an excuse, and that's really the only negative thing I have for this game. Well, let's um, see, there's there can't be that many. Keep going, but there can't be any that be that many more back to backs, anyways. No, no, I'm I'm not even just talking about for this year. I mean, if we do, oh, not sure, KP, it is a on it will be an ongoing thing. Um, I thought Tim Hardaway Jr. looked relatively good defensively. Um, obviously, he had the one block that was really nice, but other than that, I mean, I would like him to start making shots again. And, but overall, I thought he, I thought he played, he did not score well, obviously he didn't make jumpers, but I thought his defense for who he is was good. I did not think Dorian looked good defensively. No, this is the Dorian is, we're lucky he's hitting shots. Otherwise he'd be like net negative. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing about that is though, right now, I really think he's the guy I'm most confident in making a shot. When Isn't he's that crazy? Him. Feel the same way. Oh my gosh. Great point. <laughs> Like, right now, I'm literally, I'm like, well, we can tolerate Dorian's weakness on defense to live with this shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which just, if you had told me that two months ago, I'd have been like, I'd have just thought whoever came up with that idea was out of their mind. That's um, right. I really, I mean, like, it's just, there's just not a lot to say. It's, I mean, we, we won. I'm obviously thrilled we won. We're now tied for the sixth seed. Uh, we do not have the tiebreaker with the Blazers, but if we win... Uh, the next game against the Lakers, then I believe we have pretty much all of the three-way ties if it comes to that tiebreakers. That's wild. 
which is yeah i mean it, it's pretty weird but we have i know we have the three if it's us the grizzlies and the trailblazers we have the three-way tiebreaker if it's us the lakers and the trailblazers we have the, and we win the next game we would have the three-way tiebreaker so yeah. we should be hopefully as long as we just don't end up just tied with the trailblazers we have most of the tiebreakers and yeah. i mean it's it's weird. It's it's super late. So, but it's weird to not be more excited after this win because we won. But KP getting a little dinged up kind of blunts that. And the one other thing I, I want to say on that is, uh, this was had nothing to do with the injury. But how many incidental knees is Drummond going to have in a game? I mean, that's the the way I I was tweeting about this. The way the Lakers play basketball is to just foul the crap out of you and and demand that the refs call it. And if if that's sort of the way that they're going to play the game, it worked for them last year. This year, it's been a little bit more finesse, to be honest. But that sort of thing, I was trying to explain to a Lakers friend of mine. I was like, this just isn't how the rest the rest of the league either can't, isn't structured to do it or can't do it. It's it's too hard because the the Lakers like earn their fouls like. It was it was pretty nuts watching them. I mean, they got called for twenty eight personal fouls tonight, which they I'm sure they're pretty surprised about as a fan base. But the 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 Drummond stuff, he's he's just you know he mucks it up. I I don't really like watching him play basketball. He's so athletically gifted, but he just it, it it's kind of the it's like a a different version of the things that drive me crazy about KP, where it's like, are you using your size, your length, and your athleticism to your advantage, or are you out there to look good? And and Drummond did a lot of that stuff too tonight. A lot of he had fourteen and nineteen. Yeah, a lot of the stuff with Drummond is I talk about KP possibly reorienting himself to be a player that makes better use of his gifts to be a better fit for us. And with Drummond, he just if he could ever, and I mean we're going to get to the point to where his athleticism declines at some point in the near future because he's not that young anymore. But if he had ever just decided to be the the kind of player that he could be where because he's as explosive as any big guy vertically he's laterally incredibly mm-hmm. gifted and most of the guys that are that explosive both vertically and laterally are, and that big are very slight like Willie Cauley-Stein is very explosive both ways but he's very slight like you can overpower right. him and Drummond is not he's, he's such actually, a huge guy my goodness I forget that Physically, he reminds me a lot of a taller version of Pete Dwight Howard, and yeah. like not not the player. Like obviously, he's nowhere near as good as because I think people have kind of forgotten how great Dwight Howard was in his peak. But he like physically, he has a lot of the same gifts, and it actually would have been a little bit true of Dwight too if they had ever just accepted. I'm going to rim run super hard. I'm still I can still go go for all the rebounds and everything and help, but I don't ever need the ball in the post. I don't ever need to be trying to create from the elbows, any of that stuff. He could have been so good. And it's to the point, like, despite all of his gifts and despite the fact that, you know, we struggle at rebounding, he, I didn't want him here. Like, I, yeah. I really didn't want, like, I know there's a large percentage of Mavs Moneyball that wants him, but I have no desire to see him here. I don't think he fits. Um, he just does it. It's just kind of changing one set of problems for something else is, is really what, what it does for me. Um, and, you know, but the, it is what it is. These, these things, uh, these things figure themselves out. I I'm glad that, that the, the Mavs got the win. And I think that's probably the best way to leave it. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, like I say, it's just funny. And I don't want to, I definitely don't want to complain about the refs today because 
it's hyper annoying to hear anybody complain about the refs when you shot twice as many free throws as the other team. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard other people do it about Mavs games, and I'm like, eh, that that makes no sense. So yep. that that was not a complaint about the refs. Like when I was saying how many incidental needs is he gonna have? It's just sure. it it's just frustrating because you see just knee knee knee. Like, oh, this place, this player is limping. Uh, Josh Richardson's limping. Then KP's limping when you need him in the nuts. And yeah, then... that was rough, man. That that was obvious too. It's like, how are you not seeing that? Like and the dude then... crumbles to the floor. Yeah. Oh, well. the, the one thing I will, I, or I say the one thing I will a lot, uh, but one thing that I will say on that for the refs' defenses, because of how often players flop now, you can't mm-hmm. just assume, hey, the guy. That's actually a lot of the most missed calls you get is. Oh, this person just exploded! Like he just he I, he looked like there was a sniper in the the upper deck, and so it's like oh, got to make a call. It had to be something. Then you go back and watch it, and it's like, which obviously it wasn't the case on that play. He really did get me in the nuts, but yep. that's why I hear people all the time like, "You see him fall down? How do you not see that?" Right. So, I mean, it's the eyes look away. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so. it's, yeah, and if obviously if you have anybody else requesting to speak, I'm I'm oh yeah. I'm gonna bring. Lie. I'm gonna bring it out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're gonna move quick. Christian, what's happening, buddy? Christian, you here? Oh, there he is. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, okay. How are you doing tonight? I'm all right. I got to get up in about three hours. My wife is asking me where I am. And I'm like, I'm talking to the friends on Locker Room. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be quick. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, hope that KP's injury and, you know, based on Carlisle's statements, all that kind of thing, it's doesn't keep him out too long. But most importantly, uh, he's able to kind of get in rhythm for the playoffs because, I thought he actually looked, you know, after the first couple minutes, pretty good. Me too. Uh, tonight, so that was exciting to see, and you know, uh, Luca and his uh, interactions and uh, plays to one another, I thought were, you know, really, um, really exciting to see, and hopefully, it can continue when he gets back, whenever that is. But I really want to see JJ Redick at least playing like 20 minutes uh, and uh, cutting into Josh Richardson's minutes because uh, I don't know what it is when he thinks he just has a green light to shoot threes, especially as far back as he's been shooting them. Um, it's a, a bit ridiculous and you yeah, know, he's painful to watch right now. I mean, he just the he blew a couple of layups, and his stat line looks okay. You go take a look at it; it's fine. But it's just like as you're watching the game live, he just does enough, and he's not playing great defense anymore. Uh, it's it's very painful. It, I feel for the guy because he he plays hard. Like he, it's not like he's lazy or anything like that. It's just like things aren't working. And it, it, at a certain point, like the Mavericks do need him, but I don't understand why playing against like starters is going to get him back in his groove. Like at least, you know, if you move him to the bench or do something and let him kind of get his feel for the game in a different way, maybe he can close out if the Mavs need him. But it's just it's it's really it's hard to watch him. Yeah, and and I think just to your point, like I think it's a little bit even unfair to him. Like he's clearly struggling, and I think it's time to start uh, try a different strategy 
Uh, yeah. And maybe it could help him out. And I think that's going to be important. But I think JJ, um, whether you want to start JJ and it be kind of, you know, like a Courtney Lee starter. Um, yes, like for, like four minutes or and then like we don't see him again. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so hopefully something like that or Brunson, whoever you want to do. And um, I'm nervous on Saturday. Hopefully Maxie plays. But if we're without both Maxie and KP, I think that could be. Uh, very difficult and you know I think it's going to be really important to now that we're tied with Portland to get on a little bit of a run here and so you know hopefully we're able to put some things together but most importantly uh, play very well leading up to the playoffs so we carry that momentum and yeah um, yeah and then the you know I appreciate you having me up here but the last thing I want to say is you know keeping uh terrence clark's uh family you know in our prayers and all that awful awful story yeah it it was you know a lot of times you hear about different things i I just it it did affect me today it was just a a tough time and you know let's uh hope our guys get healthy and you know let's go on a run and appreciate you having me up Sure thing, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Um, just to note something that Matt and I were talking about earlier, I said, how many how many back-to-backs can they have? Well, the Mavs still have four back-to-backs, so it shows what the hell I know I'm talking about. Um, so who knows if they're going to play KP that many times because I think they have like 14 games left. That's eight um, right there just between those back-to-backs. All right, coming up next is Sam. What's happening, my man? Man, I I was excited today. I mean, I'm pissed, but like, I was excited at the same time because I just love when the refs get into the games. You know, it, it makes me mad but happy at the same time because you know, the fact that we also won. I don't know. Sure. I just love that playoff intensity, even though like like back then, like last year in the playoffs when uh, KP got technical, like I was mad, but at the same time I felt kind of like, what's the word? I don't know. It was. I, feel, I just felt like I was into too into the game, you know. Sure. And then, but but the main thing I got from this game is that Willie Cauley Stein, he is a beast. He's okay. playing real well. He's it, it. He drives me nuts because he's such a. He's such a. It, there are points in the game where I'm like, this man doesn't know how athletic he is. When he ran away from Drummond, I was. Uh, at, my God. Oh my God! Like that's. It's it's such a simple thing because he's just running fast. But, like, big dudes don't – like, he was wheeling. It was – you know, I mean, I know he played wide receiver in high school, so there's something to that there. But he's just such an incredible athlete. And, you know, Lucas figured out how to serve him. Because you remember early yeah, in the season he, when – He catch them lacking on, like, the back row cuts. And, or, no, like, yes. the simple cuts and stuff. He would just blow behind the defenders. Mm-hmm. He's he's just he's got really good athleticism, and I don't think he really like he he likes to play more of a finesse game. But Luke has been passing to him, and so have the other guys, where he just doesn't need to do anything other than raise his arms a little more and then either lay it in or dunk. And he's just I'm I'm really pleased with with how he's been playing because the when when he was gone from COVID, it became uh, or you know whatever the protocols were, it became very apparent as time went on that they just needed. They need a vertical threat, and and it was somebody that's just, tall but not Boban who can actually play big minutes. Right, and and Powell, like you see games where he does have that vertical burst, but then there are also games where he is just like stuck in quicksand. So, yeah, I, I, I hate when Powell. Uh, I, it, it pisses me off when he just like I feel like he's he's too athletic and he tries. He always just 
jumps a lot. Yeah, sometimes on defense, I always see him using too much of his athleticism. Sometimes, sure, like he's sure. always quick on his feet, like mm-hmm. in, in a been like a bad way. I mean, it's good to be quick on your feet, but the way Powell can get out of like, position. Yeah, yeah, out of position. Yeah, thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. But then, um, Willie Collie Stein, like, I feel like the Mavs, I think he's a possible person to replace Maxi Kleber's, uh, Kleber's starting job. And, uh, and then run, we could, we could run Porzingis that power forward. I, I mean, that. the mix up is not like, like the having two big guys in there did not, that's the second game in a row where it's looked okay. And, and that was not a thing for a big chunk of the season. So it's, it's at least something fun. I I know it just I feel like that Willie Collie Stein I don't I don't know I saw so there's something I I think he's the, the person we need because like we need a center that can you know that's not afraid to do the dirty work. Well, I'm I I, I don't know if need is going to be the word for me, but the fact that he's producing and not making me scream at the television like he has at parts of this year, I'm just going to take it and be glad about it. You know. No, oh yeah, but, but by the guy that said that, I forgot his name in the chat, but he said that well, Willie was inconsistent. I, I agree with you. He is inconsistent, but yeah. I, I think if the Mavs can try, wait, wait, didn't they sign him on like a two-year deal? Oh, he's got a team option. Like oh, the, the, so. oh okay, but yeah, so he's basically going to stay. Well, right, actually, we'll see. Yeah, what, yeah. Well, it depends, whatever happens, but I think if the Mavs can develop him, he can be a pretty nice center, even off the, off the bench, even sure. so if he still doesn't. But also, I think we... Uh, Maxi, I don't think he should be starting no more. I'm sorry. I think he was a problem in the starting lineup. I, I used to think it was DFS like over a time, but I'm like, no, this guy's a problem. I this think he's hurt. I think he's been playing hurt for a while. His knees, I don't <laughs> think his knee is right. So. Cause you th- yeah, because he's been shooting horrible recently. I'm like, wow. Yeah. He's, he's getting a bunch of, you get like one game, but I think, I think it was at Memphis. He got a bunch of open looks that he just kept breaking. Just couldn't hit. Yeah, he was like, oh, nine. There's a real rough one. But yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming up, man. Thanks, man. Uh, I'll see you, Kirk. Oh, yeah. We'll be on again Saturday. All right. A uh, couple more people. We got uh, my man, Doug. Doug, what's up? Hey, Kirk. Howdy. You know, the thing that I, I like about a game like tonight, even though it wasn't exciting, is that when the Mavs can win games and they're not doing what they're they're best at, uh, I saw that they only hit nine threes, and uh, I'm glad that they're winning games when they're not just just lighting, you know, lighting the gym on fire uh, from, you know, beyond the arc. And right. The other thing is just such a weird thing to see uh, – for the five starters being in negative as far as plus minus, <laughs> it's such a weird, weird thing to say that Dorian Finney-Smith was the only plus as far as on the starters. Um, just so That's weird. a good poll. I didn't notice that. Wow. It's and 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 I guarantee you, if you went through the whole season, you know that they probably have only won maybe one or two other games that's anything close to that. And so right. So again, it's good to have them win games when when things aren't exactly, you know, the way that you would you know draw it up if you were trying to design a, a perfect game. Yep. And I'll just piggyback off of what you guys were just talking about. I think it's it was an interesting uh, minutes when uh, when uh, KP and uh, Willie Cauley Stein were playing together tonight. I mean, it just it didn't look like awkward or it, it looked like it really kind of flowed and uh, just being a numbers nerd I looked up they had only played 88 minutes this year before tonight 
And I thought, boy, I hope that they, again, not, I'm not saying committing any big time, but I, ho- I hope you, we can see that again because it did look like they were playing well together and it didn't kind of bog down the offense by having both of them out there. Yeah, which I wouldn't have said that. It's it's very – I don't know how long they can get away with it. I feel like it's something teams can scheme around depending on who they're playing against. But for right now, who cares? they got to win. They're, they got to win. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I don't think that it's anything we're going to see things moving in that direction. But it's just an in, an interesting kind of wrinkle to things, and uh, I hope that, that we see it again because uh, they do have some interesting dynamics when both of them are on the court. Yep. Well, Doug, you got anything else? No, that's it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. All right. Coming up last, but not least, our favorite, Xavier. What's happening, my guy? Hey, what's up, Kirk? Um, No long diatribes for me today. Um, It was a fun game. I really just wanted to take the time to say thank you um, to you and everybody in the chat. Look, I'm a washed-up father of two. I'm a Maverick fan living in Atlanta. No one in my life gives a damn about the Mavericks. So I'm thankful for the locker room. I'm thankful for the little community that that you guys have introduced me to and for the interactions and the chance to just ramble on about, you know, the Mavs rotations and things of that nature. So I just wanted I just wanted to show my appreciation and today was fun, man. Uh when Dorian made that dunk, my daughters came out and they were just stunned because I was standing there with no shirt on. <laughs> like, Daddy, what's wrong? I'm like no, baby, you got to understand, Dory just dunked on two guys, and they just looked at me like, Daddy, we don't care. And they went back in their room, and, you know, I sat in my man cave by myself watching the rest of the game. But that's it. No long diatribe for me. Just thanks again, and I look forward to these, man. It's really – it really is awesome. Good. I'm glad you like them. That's why I keep doing them. Um, you know, the, this is an interesting thing to add. I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring out uh, what I'm going to do with posting these because – I don't know. Everybody has a lot of audio options. And so when, when these go long and I don't mind them going long, I have to figure out a way to either like edit them down or post them. Cause it's just like, I don't know about you, but when I see like an hour and 15 minute podcast in my feed, I'm like, who the fuck do they think they are? <laughs> and then I, I post my own. <laughs> I'm actually the opposite. Like my favorite podcasts are like two and three hours long. Uh, I, I like it, but it's like, we have so many options. There's like so many great, great things to hear. And I just, yeah. Yeah. But look, tough. but Kurt, but the thing is, Everyone's not gonna listen to everything, but uh, you can post the post the the post game pause with Josh. I just saw that he's back. Post that separate, and then post the you know the locker room chat separate. And look, maybe some people listen to both, maybe one or the other. It's an a la carte menu, but you yeah. can't. Oh, there are people who enjoy both, so why not make them all available? You don't need to necessarily cram them into one tidy one hour podcast. Just let people pick and choose, man. Because I I love them. I love listening back to it and. Especially like if I come in late to the to the chat, I love them. I love one. Well, this one's gonna get tagged on a conversation that I had with uh, my friend is uh, the the editor in chief of uh, Silver Screen Roll, a wonderful guy named Harrison Fagan, who's like the most balanced Lakers fan I know. Um, we had, we had a good time talking, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna run this one, and then uh, for anybody that wants to join, exactly 12 hours from now, I will be starting a new locker room in the middle of the workday because I tend to not work on Fridays very hard. And <laughs> I'm just going to talk some more Mavs and Lakers and what else we got going. So this has been a good time hanging out, guys. I appreciate you uh, joining me as always. We'll talk, uh, if not tomorrow, then in a couple of days. Everybody be good. Oh, Katie, you asked uh, where I'm going to post it in, in the Mavs Moneyball feed. Like we, We're going to do like a split thing, so that's where it's going to be. 
All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.